Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. I'm going to take a pause from our series, our Seek and Save series. I'll pick that up again next week as I talk a little bit more about... uh, the day we're living and how we need to be witnessing and sharing our faith and with the life preservers and all of that. And so uh, working on that today, I want to talk about Israel and the things that we're seeing in our everyday news. And many of you are working in, in places at, at work and at home. Everyone's talking about this. And, and so um, I just felt impressed to bring this to you today. Zechariah chapter 12, I'm going to look at, uh, there's only a couple of chapters in the entire Bible that have un, has prophecies about Israel that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Here's one of them. Ze- uh, Zechariah 12, 13, and 14 hasn't been fulfilled yet. Ezekiel 38 is also one that many are using right now, but I'm going to use Zechariah chapter 12. We're going to read a couple of verses here, and I want to ask you, does this describe the current situation in the Middle East? As many are wondering, is this it? Is this the Bible unfolding right in front of our eyes? And I'm wondering the same thing. And after you read this, you may see why it gets our attention whenever Israel is in the news. And as I said, many don't have a biblical background, so I'm going to give you some historical facts as well. Many are raised in a political context where Palestine and Israel, you viewed that and heard it your whole life from a political context. I want to give you the historical context. I want to give you also the start with the Bible, of course and how it all actually goes together. And this also will equip you to help you have these conversations because again, we're not into arguing with people, we're into rescuing people. And so my job is to equip the folks and equip you for the work of the ministry. And I've heard your emails, I've heard your conversations. This is a topic that everyone is involved with. How many has this conversation or have it at your work right now with the Palestinians and Israeli? I mean, I don't have to raise your hands, but you can look around, it's everybody here. It's, we need to have more than, they're God's chosen people, back off. I mean, that's good. Most people are like, yeah, but others are like, what, who, and why? Well, I'm going to show you where it all started and what we see today. And I believe we are watching Zechariah chapter 12 being fulfilled. This is what God says to a man named Zechariah. This is 3,000 years old. This Jewish man penned this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he writes chapter 12 the burden or the heaviness of the word of the Lord is against Israel thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens and lays the foundation of the earth the foundation is the Hebrew word yakad which means the beginning he has began everything God created everything and I love this and forms the spirit of man within you that's that in you that you feel when we were worshiping it was that thing that many feel when you come on the property it's when you're in your prayer time and something inside of you it's just so peaceful and so good that's the Spirit of God who has formed that inside of you how personal and amazing that scripture is and then now watch behold I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness or trembling to all the surrounding peoples this is a metaphor saying that Jerusalem will be like a cup of strong wine and whoever consumes it will begin to reel and fall out of control. They will not be able to consume it and stand. It's a metaphor. All the surrounding people will try to consume it. 
when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the people. And all who would heave it away will surely be cut to pieces. So Israel will become this heavy burden that people just want to get rid of it. And just, let's just get rid of this thing in the Middle East. It's always, it's so heavy, man. It's always in the news. And, and let's, just, let's just get rid of this conversation. I'm tired of hearing about it. Does that sound like today? God says it will be like a heavy stone. So whoever tries to remove it will injure themselves. Though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it, in that day, says the Lord, I will strike every horse with confusion. Again, metaphor, metaphors here. And it's rider with madness. I will open my eyes on the house of Judah, and I will strike every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors, look at this verse, and the leaders of Judah will say in their heart, the inhabitants of Jerusalem are my strength in the Lord of hosts, in the Lord of hosts, their God. And then if you drop down to verse 10, and I will pour on the house of David and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they have pierced. Who's that? That's Jesus. And I'll just pause there because then he moves into three other prophecies. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this all together at the end of the service. But here he's saying Jerusalem will be this thing that's in the news. This is a state that's the size of New Jersey. And it's in the news almost every day for the last, since 1948. Why is that? If the Bible isn't real, if God isn't real, how come uh, Australia's not in the news? How come Ethiopia? How come Hawaii? How come it's this piece of land? It's this piece of land because God is real, the Bible is true, and God has a plan for all of it. And it's coming to the place where it's become this heaviness where people are going to try to come against it. People are going to try to get rid of it. And God's going to fight for it. He's going to fight for Israel. And it's going to do it in such a way that even the Orthodox Jews who have pushed Jesus as the Messiah away, through this war, they're going to turn and embrace the Messiah. And a great revival will happen. That's chapter 12 and 13. And then the rapture, the second coming of the Lord is in chapter 14. Somewhere in all of this. Jesus is going to come get his church. And so I want to put a pause there and talk to you today about Israel, the promise, the problem, and the prophecies. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Many are wondering, including myself, is this the time and days we're living in? It very well could be. But let me address, first of all, get right into this today, is about the land and that little strip of property that is over there in the Middle East. Who owns it? Who is the rightful owner and where does this come from and why do we say that? Well, first of all, this very first verse that we just read tells us who owns it is God because God created everything. He formed everything, even the foundations of the earth. It's God. He owns it all because he created it all. It is up to God to award and to give boundaries, as Paul said in Acts chapter 17, that God has made the boundaries of every man to live and dwell. It's ultimately God that's in control. Things that we see we don't understand. You may want to question them like I do, but Paul the apostle, or Jeremiah, I should say, actually reminds us and says, who are we as the clay to question the potter? Kind of shifts our American prideful Western thinking, doesn't it? Because we feel entitled and a right to question anything we don't agree with. And God is open to our questions. Don't get me wrong, but 
The attitude of just always demanding to know everything is something that is not in the Bible. God says, wait a minute, I created everything. It's kind of like the conversation we have with our kids when our kids ask us why all the time, right? Just say, so I say so. Then after a while, they start to see your ways are right. It's kind of like this. God created everything. So he gets to award the pieces of property, whoever he says. And in the very beginning, from the biblical context, and even historic, and I'll show you that here in a moment, it's God's land. Here's another scripture, Psalms 24. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, or all of that it contains, and the world and those who dwell in it. But let's get right into the promise. Where did this come from? God began, since he owns it all, he picked a man named Abram. We know him as Abraham. And he came from the land of Ur, and he chose him. He was a Semitic man. He was a Hebrew. And God chose him, and he made a covenant with him, or he made a promise with him. And this starts in Genesis chapter 12. It was after the wickedness of the earth filled the land and the flood, and then men begin to repopulate and begin to fill the earth again. And once again, it was this independent spirit. The Tower of Babel is, is built where everyone starts to make, tries to make their own name and all of that. And God says, I got to stop this again. So this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to raise up a man, a people that will represent my people. And I'm going to make my covenants with this people so that all the other people groups around the world can look to this one group and see why they're blessed. Because God's going to give them dietary laws, tell them what to eat, how to dress, how to have social laws. And they're going to be an object lesson for the rest of the world. So they will say, man, I want that kind of blessing on me. That's what it started. It started with a man of Abraham. Unfortunately, the Jewish people throughout the Old Testament, they did not live up to that. And so God said, I still have a plan. I, show, I did that to show people that they can't really be good enough on their own. So I'm going to come down there and demonstrate my own love and die for a people that rejected me. So all those that will put their faith in me will receive the same promise and blessing that I'm going to give this man, Abraham. Man, I just summed up everything in about three minutes. This starts in Genesis 12. You might have heard this. This is part of the promise of Abraham that God said to him, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All through Abraham and his descendants will come the promises of God, will come the covenants of God, will even come the Messiah, the church. And you can put a, draw a line on a piece of paper and write, the spiritual Israel and the natural Israel, and they are parallel right next to each other on many of the promises in the Bible. In other words, as soon as a Gentile, a non-Jew like myself, puts my faith and believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Bible teaches that therefore the promise that God made to Abraham, I am also entitled to. And that promise goes from me and for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. We all become Israel, the spiritual Israel and the descendants of Abraham. Amen. Give him praise for that. It's good news. Jew, Gentile, Arab, anyone. That's why he said all the world will be blessed through you. So point number one, and here's where we start the controversy. God gave the land to Abraham and his descendants forever. This is called the Abrahamic Covenant in 1700 B.C. This is where it started. 
Many people have tried to argue whose land it is, and I tell you that even the science and archaeological community can back this up. There are confirmed pieces that the Jewish people occupied this land from artifacts from the time of David, Solomon, and Joshua, written in Hebrew, describing Hebrew leaders and Hebrew rulers, communities, confirming everything that is written in the Word of God. This ultimately begins with the deed. So the first deed that Abraham had in the Jewish people was actually this book right here that we hold in our hand. This is the deed for Abraham and the Jewish people, according to Scripture. Here's the scriptures, Genesis 15. He says, on that same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. There you have it. Then he says again in chapter 17, also, I give to you and your descendants. So important to see that. After you, the land in which you are a stranger, in all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. That's the biblical context. So the next question is, is where did Palestine come from? Palestine, you may be shocked to understand this, and this is where I encourage people to just take a few minutes. Most of this can be found in Wikipedia. This is not a Bible-thumping Christian worldview. This is basic facts and history of where Palestine came from. There was Jews and Arabs both living in modern-day Israel for many years. And I'll get to that in just a second. But the name Palestine came from a Roman emperor named Hadrian in 135 A.D. He gave the name Palestine to the southern part, which is now known as the Gaza Strip. He did that because the name Palestine, he did it, it actually means the land of the Philistines. So this pagan Roman emperor at 135 A.D., this is when the great persecution was happening from Rome to the Jewish people. If you know your history, 70 A.D., they burned the holy temple down in Jerusalem. There was a lot of fighting. People were trying to exterminate the followers of Christ because it was spreading to Gentiles as well. And so this pagan guy said, you know what, I'm going to name this strip of land to insult the Jews by naming it Palestine after their ancient rival, the Philistines. You may recognize the Philistines from David and Goliath. David, a Jew, Goliath was a Philistine, a warrior of the Philistines. They were one of the tribes that Joshua did not drive out. They were there, so he named them. So if you were an Arab, if you were a Jew, if you were a Hawaiian, if you were an Asian, and you lived in that part of Israel before 135, you were just there in the land of Canaan that Abraham had the title to. But since this Roman emperor named it that, you were now therefore known as a Palestinian. That's how the name came, and that's exactly what the name means. So we move to the problem. You have the promise. God promised Abraham, his descendants, the land. And we move to the problem. Who is the descendants or who are the descendants of Abraham? And this is what wars are fought over right here. Why don't you ready to share with you? Because although God made his promise to Abraham, he made it to Abraham and Sarah, his wife. And God said to them, out of you, you're going to have a son. And that son, I'm going to make a covenant with. And this descendants, this promise is going to be passed on to him. Well, Abraham and Sarah, as you know, many of you know, they got impatient. 
And they were waiting on this promise. They were already in their late 70s and 80s, and they're still not having children. And they're like, what is God doing? So they got impatient, like many of us do, waiting on God. And so Sarah tried to fulfill God's promise in her flesh by her own. She wanted to help God. So she took her bondservant, who was Hagar from Egypt. He took her and said, Abraham, why don't you lay with her and see if you can have a kid by her? And then that will be our chosen son. She did. She laid with Abraham, and she had a man, a, a child, and named him Ishmael. Ishmael, to this day, begot the Arab people. This, again, is not Bibles. This is Wikipedia stuff. This is historic. This is stuff that anybody, if they would spend 10 minutes and look into, you will find. Modern-day Arabs claim their descendants from Ishmael even to this day, including Muhammad in Islam. However, here's the second point. Isaac is the son of promise, not Ishmael. Here's where the rub comes and here's where the problem. And what I just said right here would make a lot of people angry because this is where the nations are divided. And this is where people leave the Bible because the Bible, if you follow the Bible, tells us this, what I just said to you. It says in Genesis 17, then God said to Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. Everybody say Isaac. I will, listen to these next words, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. By the way, Isaac's name means laughter. It's funny because God created a situation so that when Isaac came, it would be fitting for the situation because it was hilarious to think a 90-year-old woman can have a child. Sometimes, let me just preach for a moment, God will create a situation in your life that will not make sense to you at the time, but it will make perfect sense once the promise is fulfilled. Come on, somebody. So if you're in a season right now where you don't understand and you're following after God, I'm telling you, just wait for it because it's going to make sense one day. But then he continues, please listen to this. He says, and as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and I will multiply him exceedingly. But my covenant, my promise, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at the set time next year. God loves Ishmael. That's the fact. You need to know that. He's not against the Arab people at all. Ishmael will also be blessed. He said, I'm going to make Ishmael numerous. If you got this map, I want to show you this map. This is modern day, the Arab nations of the world today. What's, writ, what's lit up in green, those are the Arab nations. That little piece of blue that you see up there that's highlighted on the right, the size is New Jersey, that's Israel. There are 22 Arab states. There are 49 official Muslim states. There's that one tiny strip of the Jewish state. I show you that because there's a narrative around that tells you that the one in blues are the oppressors and they're the bullies. Take a look at that map and tell me you believe that. <laughs> I'm not making this up. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But God loves Ishmael just like he loves Isaac. He gave him the land. He says, you're also going to be blessed. Here's another point. There will be conflict between the two nations until the time of the end. This is the prophetic promise. This is what God said. Look what he said in Genesis. And you shall bear a son and call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard you. 
your affliction. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand will be against him. Watch this. But he will dwell in the presence of his brethren. Did you see that map? God said, I'm going to have, you You got impatient, you got ahead of me, and you had this child, but I'm still going to bless him, and he's going to be successful, he's going to be fruitful, but because of you have got into a hurry to make things happen, you're going to cause a problem, which, by the way, I actually have a plan for, which I'll get to that in a moment, but part of that problem that you have just created, they're going to be fighting until the end of the times, and he will dwell among his brothers. Then he says in chapter 22, verse 17, Blessing, I will bless you and multiply. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. This is to Isaac. This is the promise to Isaac now. He says, I will bless you as the stars of heaven, as the sand which on your seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. What we're seeing today is this being fulfilled. He is, Israel is in the middle, surrounded by many hostile people, but yet he owns the gates exactly fulfilling this prophecy let me make this clear god loves the the uh, arab people there are arab christians there are people that are living in israel to this day i was watching this podcast of a man who's an arab man and he his parents converted to christianity because of missionaries he gave his life to the lord he has a church in bethlehem which is in the west bank which is also an area that's not uh controlled or under Israeli occupation, and he is an Arab Christian, follows Jesus Christ. There are Christians that are Arabs in Iran. There is Christian Iran, Iranians in Iran. So it's, the problem we get into is when we say all Jews are like this, all Palestinians are like this, all white people are like this, all black people are like this, all brown people. These are these generalizations that everyone tries to make, and this is the problem. This is what comes from the devil. This is evil. This divides us, and it's not of God at all. Amen? Amen? He said that I will make peace with all those who want to come and follow after the promises of God. Now we move into the prophecies and spend our remaining time here. The prophecies, the Bible predicts that they will live among themselves, but they will be hostile to each other. And there's where these fights come in. And to this day, many in, in, this, in the religion of Islam follow Ishmael, and he's the son of the promise because he was the firstborn. And even where the Temple Mount is built, there is a Muslim mosque there because they say that's where Abraham offered Ishmael. And they, they, they follow the whole teachings. They leave the Bible, and they begin to make up their, this other religion to follow Ishmael. But I've clearly showed you today of what the Bible says. It depends on what are you going to believe. You and I has got to make that decision of who we're going to believe and who we're going to stand. I stand with Israel. I stand for the Jewish people. I believe they have a right to defend themselves. On October 7th, they were attacked, and 1,400 people were murdered, children and women, by this terrorist organization called Hamas. And Israel has a right to defend itself. And I know people are calling for a ceasefire. I would love for people to call to release the hostages and for Hamas to surrender. That's what I think they ought, ought to happen over there in the Middle East in Jesus' name. That's my point of view. Everyone's entitled to your own. But the prof prophecy of the Bible begins to continue. And it says this, these wars will happen, but then there will come a culmination of a major attack on Israel and this is where Ezekiel 38 comes, and this is where Zechariah chapter 12 comes, what we were just reading. 
This, if this is it, I don't know. But the Bible predicts that Israel will be surrounded. And these are the promises or the prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled. And they are in Zechariah chapter 12. The remaining prophecies pertaining to the Jewish people. Number one, the Jews will return to the land of Israel. This was a prophetic utterance that was given from Ezekiel. If you want to drop down to that verse, I think I got Ezekiel 37. The Bible prophesies and says, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone, and I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. This was prophesied way back in Ezekiel 37. Isaiah says it like this. He says, Who has heard such a thing? Who has been such... Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her. All you who love her, rejoice for joy with her and all who mourn for her. On May 14, 1948, Great Britain withdrew occupying Israel. And the international community, not the Christians, not the church, the international community uh, recognized Israel as the Jewish state in 1948, fulfilling this very prophecy before you. That's exactly what happened. Back to the prophecies. This was fulfilled. So what is left? These three right here. Israel will be attacked by all sides. Ezekiel 38 describes, and maybe this is it, I don't know, but Ezekiel 38 describes that uh, two people will attack, will head it up, Gog and Magog. And this is where Russia, if you look due north, Gog is a, uh, a rush, is the old ancient name for Russia. And you really can go deep into that. And they will come from the north against Israel, and they will be totally surrounded, and all the nations of the world will begin to turn on this little tiny sliver of land and on the Jewish people. Is it being fulfilled? I don't know. It kind of looks that way. But the Bible goes on in Zechariah 12, and he moves on, and he says that God will fight for Israel. If this is the war, then it says that God will fight for Israel. If you look at Ezekiel, he talks about things going wrong against those that try to attack Israel. Missiles will die in the air. They will come right back to the earth. Their their equipment will have failure. They even will be sick. There'll be famines. There'll be all these things, and God will be protecting Israel. And it's going to happen in such a way that the Bible says the Jewish people who has rejected Jesus Christ, Christ will then turn and receive Jesus Christ and their eyes will be opened and there will be a great revival among the Jewish people. Amen. That's what it says. Because God still has a plan for the Jewish people. He hasn't given up. It's all a part of his plan. Many Orthodox Jews, you heard that terminology, those are the Jewish people who follow God, worship the same God as we do, Jehovah, but they have not received Jesus Christ as their Messiah. They're still looking for their Messiah. They didn't receive Christ as the Messiah. Are they saved? According to the Bible, they are not. If any man does not have the Son, he does not have the Father. So they don't get a pass. No one gets a pass because of the way you were born, where you were born, how much money you have, how much church you have, how much Bible knowledge you have. We all must go through the cross of Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Point, period, and blank. No matter who you are, male or female. Can I get an amen in this quiet church today? (laughs) It's true. That's why Jesus came to the cross and died for you and me. But the Bible does promise that he has a plan for the Jewish people who did start the whole thing. 
that he was going to give them another chance, and through this war, they're going to be pulled to him and cry out to Jesus Christ. God will fight for him, and the Jews will receive Jesus as the Messiah. Then the last one is that Jesus Christ returns to the Mount of Olives with Jews occupying Israel. Now, here's the thing. In order for these few prophecies at the end to be fulfilled, for Jesus to return, Jewish people must be occupying in that land of Israel. Jesus said, on that day when I return, you will say in this city, Jerusalem, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That has not been fulfilled yet. In Zechariah chapter 14, it describes Jesus returning to touching the Mount of Olives and the Jewish people will be in the land of Israel. So let me just ask you this. If you are the devil, you don't want Jesus to return. What will you be trying to do right now? That's what I mean. This is a more spiritual thing than it is about land and property and and all of that. It is a deeper reason for that problem that we see that's happening all around the world. The land belongs to God promised the Jewish people, and he promised that he would be there for them. These promises are made available for all those who have put their their love in Jesus Christ. Israel has tried to remain in peace against its hostile neighbors. In 1979, Israel decided to give away the entire Sinai Peninsula Peninsula to Egypt in exchange for peace. This is the famous Camp David Accord. So people say the Israelis are the oppressors and they're not wanting to concede. They have conceded throughout their, their whole lifetime. I'm showing you this. In 1979, they gave that beautiful peace to Egypt for peace. In 1994, another accord was also signed, and they gave the entire strip of the land of Gaza to the Palestinians. Palestinians needed, a, needed some sort of government. So 82% in 2005, a vote was cast, and they voted 82%. They voted in Hamas. Hamas was portrayed as a, a nonprofit who built hospitals and clinics. But we saw their true side. They are a known terrorist organization that are brutally killing people. And you can see this all over. Even our government has acknowledged that. Innocent people are being killed in attacks. So not everybody in Palestine is for it. There are innocent Palestinians, absolutely. There are innocent people, just like when Adolf Hitler in World War II was annihilating the Jewish people. There were innocent people in Germany who did not agree with Hitler in the great exchange. And then again, you can't, you can't lump everybody in with everything. Here's the good news. And in fact, even today, 20% of Israelis are Arabs and some are even Muslims. Even the highest court in Israel, the Supreme Court, there is a Muslim Arab who sits on the seat. So Arab, again, this thing about Israel not conceding and not giving. I've been to Israel. I've seen the places that they do. And I wish they would release some water. I do have some beefs and some things I disagree with what Israel in some areas doing. But when it comes down to the bottom, at the end of the day, that land belongs to them. They are turning to Jesus. And I'm believing for a great revival that has spread from Israel all over the Arab nations. And I would love to see people come out of all Islamic faiths and atheist faiths and agnostic faith and Hinduism and Buddhism and all these things and say, Jesus is the Lord. He is God. How many believe that can happen today? Chapter 14, and I'm going to begin to close with this. 
says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem, and they will begin to fight, and they will begin to have this battle. But then the Lord says in the verse 2, he says, But the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations, and he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two east from west, making in a large valley, and the half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Then they will flee through the mountain valley for the name of the Lord. And he goes on and on and on, and a great revival will begin to happen. I've been to Israel, and I've seen the Mount of Olives, and coming down the Mount of Olives, they had the gate, which is talked about right here. And so what they did, the Muslims did, that owned that piece of land, is they said, we're going to stop Jesus. They literally filled the eastern gate, that gate with bricks to keep Jesus out. That's exactly, when you go there, you can see it. But I told them, my, my, my guy here, our guy that led us, he said, uh, I don't think the bricks is going to hold Jesus out. I'm just saying. <laughs> Jesus is going to return. So how do we sum all of this up? What does it mean for you and me? What does this mean for you and me? It means this. There's not much left to happen in Bible prophecy. The fighting is going to continue. Is this the big war of Zechariah 12, Ezekiel 38? I don't know, but here's the thing. Now is the time to not get into these political arguments. Or now is the time that we turn our attention to Jesus Christ and see, and I just beg if anybody is here that does not know Jesus Christ, no matter what your background is, you need to realize I pray that you choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the one that died for you and me. And he is coming again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what I'm going to do. I want us to just want to make this a little short. Hallelujah. Look at that. Doing good with time. Are you all right? I want to begin to close the service out and want us to just think about what I just said and some things and search your own heart. Where are you? I believe what we see in our, in our country today, you know, people are forming these, these uh, protests and wanting to free Palestine, and, and many don't even understand what they're doing. And Israel was wanting to free Palestine as well. They're just wanting them to get rid of this terrorist organization. They were asking people in, in these protests, do you understand about Sharia law? Do you understand about what does Hamas stand for? Because it's an acronym and, and all of this. And they did not even realize what they're doing. I'm telling you, there's this, this thing in our culture that's just sweeping people up. And many of you have loved ones. And maybe you have been swept up in it. And you've heard bits and pieces. Well, what I just did today is lay it out for you and tell you from the Bible timeline and even the historical facts of what is happening around our world. But sum it up with this. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? It was on this day, 26 years ago, none of this was really happening, but my own life and journey, I began to get to the end of the rope and knew that there was a better life. I was just tired of living the life I was living. And went to my brother's birthday. His birthday was the day before. And we were over there celebrating his birthday. And I saw the blessing and goodness of God on his life because he was serving the Lord, I was not. And at my age, even though I was married with two kids, I had all kinds of problems going on in my life. I had addiction, had problems. I owed my driver's license. You name it, it was just in and out of courts. I, had, I was just overwhelmed. And I saw the blessing of God in his life. And the next morning, which was today, about 9.30 this morning, driving my truck, thinking about God, 
I said to Jesus, I said, Lord, I don't know if I can serve you. I don't understand all of this. I don't want to be real religious. I just know I can't do this anymore, but I'm going to make a commitment to you. And in the, today I'm going to give you my life. I prayed that prayer driving on I-96, driving my truck through the city of Fowlerville. Anybody in Fowlerville, shout out to you. There was a weight uh, scale house where I took my truck in, and I prayed that prayer going in that scale house as they weighed my truck. And on the way out, it's kind of ironic. I didn't even catch it till a couple years later. A preacher said to me, he said, you know, you went in there weighed down with your sins, but God set you free as you came out the other side. I didn't expect to be doing this. I called my wife that night, and I said, honey, what do you think about going to church? She says, well, if that will straighten you up. I said, I think we need to get our girls and we need to go to church. And I don't know if I can live this life, but I think we need to go. I called my dad and I said, dad, is there a church in the area? I want a big church where I can go in and nobody knows me. Nobody will judge me. That's just how I felt. My dad said, oh, you want a big church where you can just go and hide? I said, exactly. Go right in at 10 o'clock and right out at 12. Dad said, okay, go. And he sent me to this large church. DWO, Pastor Jack Wallace, a soul-winning machine. I walked in and I saw the stage had every ethnicity you can think of. The church was filled with praises and people just loving God, and he was winning souls. People were getting saved every single Sunday. I said, I don't know what this is, but I want more of it. The Lord began to get into my mind and shift my way of thinking, the worldly mindset and the selfishness and the, all these things begin to fall off of my life. I went down into my basement of my home and I had a, a bar set up down there, drugs and alcohol. My house was the party house. I began to get rid of all of it. I set it out to the curb. The next morning, people were picking through my garbage. <laughs> I said, you don't need that, man. <laughs> we begin to go to church, come in there, put our girls in, in children's church, Felicia would go, Miranda wouldn't. We had to have a counseling every, every time we went. We went in, we sat down, and we began to listen to the Lord, listen to God. And that's what I'm trying to today. This stuff about Israel and this stuff, people trying to pull you in these arguments and pull you on these sides. Listen, I'm giving you the facts, but here's the, the only side you need to be on is Jesus Christ. Even, even the things I don't understand, even the things that don't make sense to me, even the things everyone's fighting over, I'm just going to choose to follow Jesus. And I sat in that church week after week as God just began to open my eyes to the truth of the gospel. I never went back. I've been living 26 years today, clean and sober. Never went back one time. Not one time. Not one relapse. I'm not perfect. Ask my wife. But I will say this, it is possible to walk out of addiction and never go back. You need to hear somebody stand in this pulpit and tell you that. You can be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Not six days, not six months, 26 years. If God can bring somebody from the streets of Ecorse in and out of the legal system, barely finished high school, I went back and got my education when God called me into the ministry, but then put me into the ministry and called me to pastor one of the best churches, in my opinion, in Southeast Michigan. I'm telling you, there is a God in heaven, and he's got a plan and a purpose for everybody here. Why? Because it's the blessing that came from Abraham that comes to every person, no matter your ethnicity, Arab, Hawaiian, Asian, White, black, brown, these blessings are for you and for me. All you got to do is want it and say yes to Jesus, just like I did. Will you stand to your feet?
today as I close this out. Amen. A little different message. If you're visiting today, you got to come back. It's a little different. Today's a little heavy. It's the subject, but I wanted to bring it out. Next week, I am going to talk a little bit about the Jews and how Abraham and who the Jews are today. So I know there's a lot of other talks about uh, all the ethnicities. I'm going to show you a scripture that will blow your mind and show you we need to get back to mission that is reaching the lost and how to reach the lost. Because that's what it's at the end of the day. When you get to heaven, he's not going to ask you, are you Palestinian? Are you Israeli? Are you American? That is out the window. Are you Baptist? Are you Lutheran? Are you Assembly of God? Those are questions that are never going to be asked to you and me. When you stand before God, there's going to be one question, and that is, do you know Jesus Christ? What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Amen. No matter how educated you are, and no matter how much money you have in the bank, what car you drive, how many kids you have, how many times you were married, he's not going to ask you any of that. He's going to ask you, what did you do with Jesus Christ? Who do you say Jesus is? Is he a historical figure? Is he a prophet like Islam said and Muhammad said? They recognized Jesus, but they said he was a prophet. Are you going to be like Peter and said, I'm going to, I know who Jesus is. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. He has come to this planet and he died on a cross for you and for me. So we can be in heaven because no one can come to heaven and live with a perfect and holy God until we get rid of our sins. It's not that God's being mean. We can't coexist with the holy God. The only other place we go when we die is a place that God, he created for the devil and for angels. He didn't create one for the devil and angels and another one for atheists and for human beings. No, no. God said, I'm going to create two places, one where I dwell, and those who love me will be with me, but those who reject me are going to be here. You say, that sounds so radical, Eddie. It is, but you know what is even more radical? Is God said, I don't want nobody to go here so much that I'm going to come down there myself and do something Muhammad didn't do, no Buddha has ever done, Hare Krishna never done. Nobody in the history of the world has done what I'm going to do. I'm going to come down there myself, and I'm going to die for everybody, the Arabs, the Americans, the Europeans, the Jews, the Gentiles. I'm going to die for them. I'm going to take their sin, their lying, their hatred, their racism, their selfishness, their desire. I'm going to take it. I'm going to put it on my, my son. And I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to take his righteousness that you can't earn by being a good person. Because, honey, none of you are that good. But I'm going to give you the righteousness that is from God to Abraham, to everyone that would believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So when he looks at Jesus on the cross, he sees Eddie, the ex-gangbanger, in and out of the legal system, the drug addict, the drunkard, the selfish, the person that was wrapped up on the streets of Ecorus. He sees me when he looks at Jesus. But now since Jesus died, when he sees me, he sees Jesus in his perfectness and righteousness. That's the gospel. That's the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. When he sees Jesus, he sees you and me in our sinful state. If you say yes to Jesus, when he looks at you, he sees Jesus as perfect, sinless nature, his righteousness. Isn't that the best news you've ever heard? You don't gotta try to be perfect. 
I can't do this, I can't do that. You can't have enough cans to be good enough. It's just by saying yes to Jesus and his righteousness comes over you and you're able to worship him, Jesus and Jesus alone. <laughs> Man, I'm giving you a lot of gospel today. I wonder if anybody here would need Jesus and needs that righteousness. Does anybody need that righteousness? Maybe you're like me, thought about it for two years. God, if you get me out of this one, I'll serve you. He got me out of it. I'd stayed kind of good for about three days. But on that day, I went from, I'm going to serve you and pray until I went from that kind of prayer to God, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. Even if my wife don't follow me, thank God she did. She, wa she watched me for a while to make sure this Jesus didn't work because I used to pull some things on her. She waited. She watched me pour the drugs and the alcohol. She watched me get my Bible. My mama gave me her Bible. She watched me get my Bible and sat down on the couch and began to read. I wanted to know about this Jesus. She watched me go through my music, and I started getting rid of some stuff, some stuff that stirred up the old Eddie. I had to get rid of N.W.A. Come on, somebody. Ain't nothing holy in there talking about that. I began to get, I began to replay. I did some spiritual house cleaning. You know, trying to watch my mouth. Watch my attitude. She began to say, only God can do that. It's been two months now. I come home from work one day. A few months later, I walked in and my wife's standing there. She even looked different. I said, babe, what's up? What's the matter? You look different. She said, I prayed with this guy on TV. This TV preacher has some funny hair. And I heard the gospel and I said yes to Jesus. And now I serve Jesus. And I said yes to Jesus. I said, girls, come here. I said, we're gonna have a new family. I'm gonna come home with my paycheck on Fridays. We're, we're gonna be sober in our mind. We're not gonna fight so much. We're gonna begin to go to church. And I didn't send my kids to church. I brought my kids to church. And God began to change me. And here I am today, amen? That can happen to you, to you at home, watching online, to everybody here. Time is short. Jesus is coming. Receive him today. That's my message today. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads today? Christians, are you praying for me today? Are you praying for people that's listening right now? Because I think many are deciding. Deep down, they're like, yeah, I know I need Jesus, but uh, uh, I don't know. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Father, that people would surrender and say yes to you commit. I wonder if there's anybody here that said, I need Jesus. I want you to just lift your hand right now. Say, I want to say yes to Jesus right now in this place. Anyone lift your hand, lift your hands today. Jesus. Yes, I see that hand. See that hand. Come on. I'm not ashamed. I want a Jesus today. I want Jesus today. Amen. See your hand. How many are here? You can put it down and say, I need to go from, I'm going to pray until I want to shift from that to be an even if kind of Christian. How many, let me see your hand. I want to be an even if kind of Christian, no matter what. Look at that hand. Amen. 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 I want to pray over all of you today. Those of you that lifted your hand and you need Jesus, I'm going to ask my altar team, our altar team to come on up. We're going to close out the service right now. And this is what we do. We, we sing one more song and we're just here to pray for you. Those of you that need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you lifted your hand. I want you to come out of your seat. I want you to come up here. And I want to talk to you. I want to pray for you today. Those of you that need prayer for any other thing in your life, I want you to come. Bring your wife. Bring your family. Let's pray. If you need prayer today, don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. This is what we do at church. We pray for people. 
So I want you to come out of your seat. If you need prayer, come on up and let us pray. Amen. Come on, fill this front up. Fill this front up. The rest of you, can we worship one more time before you go home? Just lift your hands and let's worship one more time today. Begin to worship. Let's get that worship back in this place. Amen. While you come, come and get prayer. You need to say yes to Jesus. Come on up. You need to surrender your life to the Lord. Come on up. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.